You know, the, the Top Shot competition is one of 18 competitors from all walks of life go into this amazingly fun and creative shooting competition um, where it's basically Disneyland for adults with guns. <laughs> and uh, we shoot everything from, you know, pistols, rifles, shotguns to bows and arrows. Um, you know, darts and, you know, throwing weapons, uh, you know, tomahawks, etc. Et How often is it that you win $100,000 cash and then you get, you, you have this opportunity to go into an industry that, you know, I had no, I knew nobody in the firearms industry you know, when, after winning Top Shot. But, th but that really excited me, right? To, to just literally make this tremendous shift away from Silicon Valley into the firearms industry. We're, we're the responsible gun owners. And uh, I'm, I've been happy to see, again, that there are more people who are, who are you know, advocating for their own rights and, and for the rights of, uh, of our country. To the RNA Outdoors podcast hosted by Lucas Paw. Our purpose is to help educate and inspire within you a renowned passion for the outdoors. So join us as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight and knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Paw, and uh, coming to you today from uh, sunny Central California, uh, where I think we're catching some tail end of our little spring weather. Although last week, uh, would I think uh, summer would let us know it was closely upon us. But uh, anyway, it's it's uh, beautiful times here uh, on the coast and, and enjoying the weather. And uh, again, just uh, just happy and excited to be on uh, the show today. Uh, so with that, we're going to go ahead uh, and tee up our guest today. And like I said, I'm really excited uh, to have Chris Chang on our podcast today. Chris is an American sports shooter. Um, some of you may know him uh, from Top Shot on the season four on the, the History Channel. He was the champion uh, of that and uh, really just kind of spawned his career uh, into uh, the shooting sports. Uh, and, and along with that, I mean, his professional marksmanship, um, he's multiple sponsors and, and, and really become a prolific name in the industry with a lot of affiliations and uh, just really excited to, to have Chris on the show. I don't want to steal a sunder. I, uh, we're going to have him talk more about himself. But uh, without further ado, I would like to welcome Chris Chang to the podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Lucas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really, really honored to be on the show and excited to chat about guns. Yeah. Is there <laughs> anything better to talk about than guns, right? We, we all love guns. So 
Um, Chris, maybe what you could do um, for the listeners, and I always kind of say for folks that may be living under a rock who don't know who you are, maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my name's Chris Chang, and I am the season four champion of Top Shot on the History Channel. And, you know, the, the Top Shot competition is one of 18 competitors from all walks of life go into this amazingly fun and creative shooting competition um, where it's basically Disneyland for adults with guns. <laughs> and, uh, we shoot everything from you know pistols, rifles, shotguns to bows and arrows, um, you know darts and you know throwing weapons, uh, you know tomahawks, etc. Et and you know when I was watching seasons one and two on on, on the History Channel. You know, I, I was a gun owner, but I wasn't yet a competitive shooter. Um, you know, I'm not military. I'm not law enforcement. I'm just an IT guy who works in Silicon Valley, lives here in San Francisco. And I just said, hey, this Top Shot show looks so incredibly fun. And wouldn't it be something if I applied for the show and they cast me? And I end up winning. So, you know, like uh, like any any good dream, right? It starts with just that I that simple idea of hey, I want to go accomplish something. And after applying and training for five long months, and I you know I trained for five months, about twenty to twenty five hours a week, and this was on top of my fifty hour a week job at Google. And I basically said bye to my friends and family for five months. I said, hey, I'm training for the show. I'm just not going to have time to you know, do anything else than, you know, other than train. But all of that time and effort and energy and strategy, you know, my training strategy, it all paid off. And I ended up winning $100,000 and the title of Top Shot and a pro shooting contract with the show's sponsor, which is Bass Pro Sh- Shops. And for uh, for almost four years, uh, I shot for Bass Pro, and they flew me all across the country uh, for three gun competitions and book signing tours and uh, new new Bass Pro Shop store openings. And it was just such an incredible part of my life, and really a quintessential American experience that you know just I couldn't have done that anywhere else right winning a televised you know shooting show and then you know being uh sponsored to travel the country and shoot guns advocate for the second amendment and meet wonderful gun owners from all parts of the country yeah you know i think about it i hear your story and and you know i think about you know silicon valley and and google and kind of getting caught up in that world and then I think about someone who, you know, goes and, and wins this competition like you did and, and really changes your life from to probably to some extent. Was there a switch at some point where you said, okay, the nine to five is not for me or, you know, kind of that, that world of, of Google? I mean, I know you're, you're very educated. You went to school at UCLA and a master's degree. Was there something that triggered in your mind that said, this is what I want to go do moving forward? Um, yeah, it was really funny, you know, uh, so the, the actual competition took place from, 
Uh, it was a six-week competition from August to September 2011. But then, you know, the finale didn't actually air until nine months later. Wow. In, in you know, May of 2012. So for those nine months, right, I, I had won the competition, but nobody knew about it, <laughs> right? And so I went back to work, and I didn't really know if I was going to continue working at Google after, you know, the, the, the finale aired nine months later and everybody knew that I won. And it, it was maybe a week or two, you know, it was maybe three or four weeks before the final episode aired where I said, you know what? I'm about to be paid $100,000, right, for winning this show. And at that point in my career, you know, I've been at Google for five years, and it, it was a wonderful ride. But I was also just sort of like, ah, you know, I wasn't really excited about my, my job at that time. And uh, I, I really wanted to take advantage of that moment in time, right? How often is it that you win $100,000 cash and then you get you, you have this opportunity to go into an industry that you know I had no I knew nobody in the firearms industry you know when, after winning Top Shot but th but that really excited me right to to just literally make this tremendous shift away from Silicon Valley into the firearms industry and, and just see what I could make out of uh, out of a new career. And, you know, like anybody who's started their own business or their own brand, it is really hard. It is incredibly hard. Um, and even with the um, kind of advantage I had of, you know, kind of being uh, somewhat of a known uh, quantity because of winning Top Shot, you know, that, that, that was really helpful. But, but there, there's still no replacement for hard work and the hustle and, you know, trying to find out, okay, well, how do I make money? Like my parents asked me when I told them I was going to quit Google and, and go work in the firearms industry full time. I remember the first question was, well, how are you going to make money? And I said, yeah. I have no idea. I don't even know what my options are, but uh, I wanted to go find out and, and really tap into my sense of, of adventure and uh, I'm an adrenaline junkie too. So just sort of that sense of adventure and, you know, knowing that it's all riding on my own effort and, and uh, intelligence and business savvy and to try and, you know, make this, uh, you know, leverage, leverage that top shot win into something, uh, you know, even bigger and better. Yeah. And, you know, there's always risk and reward, right? And everything we do. And, and I, I can imagine being faced with a decision like that to, to leave a steady paycheck, right? Probably knowing what you're going to make every couple weeks or every month and, and also seeing maybe some upward mobility in a, in a booming corporation uh, and to take that risk and to, to kind of leap and take that leap of faith is, is pretty remarkable. And, and uh, thinking about you know, getting to that point. So clearly someone just probably doesn't sign up for Top Shot and go shoot. I mean, you were probably influenced as a child or maybe some time um, with your father growing up or someone in your life that had got you into firearms. Kind of maybe where did that start and, and then maybe to the next level, where did that take you into where you were really serious about being in, in the season four for Top Shot? Yeah, so you know, my father was in the U.S. Navy, and he was the first generation gun owner 
um, you know, in, in my family. And, um, you know, he was a navigator in a P3 Orion, uh, and, you know, fought during Vietnam. Uh, and so, you know, the, the military was his introduction to firearms, but, you know, even though he wasn't, um, he didn't need a gun for, for, uh, for, for his, you know, for his service. Um, but when I was young, uh, about six years old, he taught me how to shoot. And I grew up in Orange County, so uh, down at On Target in Laguna Niguel. If anyone's you know familiar with with that part of Orange County, that's that was my uh, my my home range. And like many young kids, uh, I have very fond memories of learning how to shoot. You know, with my dad, mm-hmm. and it was all just the basics. You know, my dad, you know, just he's he's just a you know basic uh, you know proficiency uh, you know gun owner, um, and. We would go to the range for an hour or two, punch some holes in paper, and then the guns went back in the safe. And I didn't actually see them, you know, for another three or four years at a time, right? So while I learned how to shoot at a young age, it wasn't something that we did very frequently. And, you know, at least my experience in the 80s and the 90s growing up in Orange County, you know, we didn't have a lot of gun friends, you know. I. I don't remember any of my friends' families uh, owning guns or going out to shoot. Um, it, it just, it just wasn't. I, and I don't know if that was just my, you know, if that was unique to me or if Orange County. Uh, I don't know what the gun gun ownership rates looked like, you know, back back in Orange County back in those days. But um, the past decade, in particular, has we've seen a, a wave of change. In Orange County and San Diego, uh, in particular, with uh, with CCW applications are you know skyrocketing through the roof, and um, there just seems to be a you know an increased level of comfort uh, of of gun owners being proud, right, of being a gun owner and talking about it, right, not being afraid, not hiding the shadows, and you know making this some kind of underground uh, hobby. Um, but instead, right, it is, it is a, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a second amendment right that people, more and more people are vocally defending and standing up and saying, I'm a gun owner. I have nothing to be ashamed of. And all this violence and negative associations that people have with, with guns, that has nothing to do with me and my attitude or the actions that I take, right, with my guns, you know. We're, we're the responsible gun owners, and uh, I've been happy to see again that there are more people who are who are you know advocating for their own rights and, and for the rights of uh, of our country. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, right? I mean, the Second Amendment. Uh, it was a reason why it was number two uh, because if you know the government was to be you know overthrown, we the people can bear our own arms, and and that's you know. And one thing I think about with with you know the NRA and a lot of affiliations, a lot of very similar affiliations that that you're involved in as well. Um, they're fighting every day, right? Every single day, um, they're fighting, and 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 it's and it's the right fight, and they're fighting for people like you, like me, responsible gun owners, uh, like you were saying, 
um, you know, for us to be able to go and, and do the things we enjoy to do and recreate and the things that our, our founding fathers, you know, wrote into the Constitution years ago. Uh, and uh, so it is so important. And, and being an advocate every day for that uh, is so critical, especially in a, in a state like California, you know, where, where we live, there's a lot of laws and regulation uh, around that. And, and uh, sometimes you feel like they're they're trying to hedge ways to, to take some of those rights away from us. But, uh, you know, Fortunately, you know, and in, in, in we may just jump into here some of your affiliations. So you're you're very very tied into uh, the NRA. You're a life member uh, of the NRA as well as I, uh, and also you do a lot of um, different instructing and, and courses with the NRA. Maybe just share a little bit about uh, some of your affiliation there. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I work very closely with the NRA and have served on their diversity and outreach committee. Oh, gosh, for maybe uh, the past four or five years, it's been quite some time. And um, I've also served on their pistol committee and uh, another committee or two as well. And, um, you know, on the outreach and diversity piece, uh, you know, I'm representing not only the Asian constituency, but also the LGBT constituency as well and, and trying to make sure that, Stories, right? That 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 the, that the good and that the right stories uh, about both those uh, you know parts of our community are, are are being told, and you know there's I think a an understandable stereotype about the gay community that they're anti-gun, and if you only watch mainstream media, that's probably all you're going to hear is oh you know you know gay people have a certain number of stances on things and they're anti-gun. But I got to tell you, you know, that that's the farthest thing from the truth. Obviously, I can speak firsthand being being a gay man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm clearly very pro gun and uh, a lot of my gay friends are also pro gun. And if you think about if you think about any kind of communities that have been targeted for violence, whether it's the gay community, you know, the Asian community has been targeted for violence right now with with uh, the covid pandemic. Um, you know, the Jewish community, obviously, and if you look at what's happening in our country with the African-American community, uh, these are, the, you know, the, the, there's always uh, some level of danger and risk. And, you know, especially, you know, now with, you know, the, the whole shelter in place and, and, and pandemic environment is like nothing we've ever seen before. And if you feel vulnerable and or targeted Owning a firearm and knowing how to safely handle and operate it is is a way to give individuals power and safety. Right? This is uh, it's about taking power into your own hands and not relying on law enforcement for your safety. It's about making sure that you are responsible, you know, for your own safety and and taking that next step from a you know, thinking that and actually doing it effectively. And a firearm, as we know, is, 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 a, is a great way of, of, um, of you know, protecting our, our lives and, and our property. Um, so, yeah, the other affiliation um, that, that I, I, I have and that I'm very proud of is um, the NSSF, which is the National Shooting Sports Foundation. They are the industry trade group. And uh, I'm a safety ambassador for the NSSF. And um, a number of years ago, we created uh, t about 25 
26 different free videos that are all available on YouTube. And they're for the new shooter. And they're a compliment to my book, Shoot to Win. And so, you know, because some people write you, they learn by reading. Uh, other people learn by seeing. And then obviously there's nothing like learning by doing. Uh, but these training videos, um, gosh, I think at last count, there were almost like 9 million combined views of all these uh, videos that are that are for the new shooter. Wow. And, and it's just been such a, a, a great way to connect with potential gun owners, right, who are just understandably scared, right, of learning how to shoot. I, I think for... You know, for seasoned gun owners like you and me, it can be sometimes hard to remember what it was like to not have shot a gun before. Mm-hmm. And you know, for your average new shooter, it, it's it, it can be terrifying, right? It's it's frightening. Um, and so, the more that we can do to make the shooting sports more accessible, right, and to make the whole gun range experience or the gun shop experience a welcoming one, one that is safe, that's friendly. And these videos that I produced with the NSSF are, uh, you know, my contribution to saying, hey, you know, right, I, I learned all of this stuff on how to safely shoot guns and win top shot. I want to share all this knowledge with you and, and make, make this make this more approachable, right? That, that shooting a gun safely is not that hard once you learn all the basics. So, yeah, the, the video series with the NSSF has, has been hugely successful. And uh, we're, uh, well, we were talking about <laughs> making another set of videos uh, in, in about a month or two. But, man, with the uh, shelter in place, I think we're, we're going to have to push that, that, that filming out by a, by a few more months here yeah. at least. See what, uh, see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, just looping back, really appreciate your authenticity and the outreach and diversity advocacy and, and uh, affiliations that you have. I, I think those are so important. Um, you know, one, to be yourself and who you are, uh, and, but also, you know, to be able to, to speak up for, for your advocacy uh, and diversity and outreach affiliations and, and, and believe in those and, and uh, stand behind them. And, and you know, a, a lot of folks, you know, I think people every year spend their $35 maybe and get their annual NRA membership and a lot of times don't know what that goes into or where it goes. But again, that $35 membership or that, you know, $2,000 uh, lifetime membership or whatever that is now, you know, is going towards um, people like you and me and others to, to help continue, you know, the fight for our Second Amendment. So really uh, appreciate, um, you know, your work there in that space. I think a good lead in, and you were starting to go there, um, is, is kind of diving a little bit into your book and, and uh, the title, Shoot to Win. But I think what What's what's a what's an interesting concept, and you, and you brought it up, and I think it's something it's, it'd be worth very worthwhile, kind of digging into a little more, thinking about you know the current pandemic that we're in, and and the amount of um, gun stores they've just been flooded with people looking for for handguns, and if you go to any local hand, hand uh, gun store right now, what you're going to find is is a lot of empty shelves uh, because there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of uncertainty in the country right now, and, and people have went that direction. But to your point. You have a lot of first-time gun owners out there that 
go in and take their test. They get their handgun certification. They want to buy that. They wait their 10 days here. They get their handgun, and now they have it in their possession, right? And they buy a box of ammunition, never been trained, maybe never shot a handgun before. Um, you know, what is it about that or for you maybe thinking about that situation? What is it based on maybe in your book or maybe some of your training tutorials that, that you could share that would help maybe new shooters to get that training, especially in a time right now where we've got a lot of first-time gun owners? Yeah, this is a great topic. And I am extremely concerned about the influx of, of new gun owners that we've seen over the past few months because a lot of gun ranges are not open, right? So, you know, we all know you can't just buy a gun and then expect to just magically know how to, how to use it in, in a safe manner. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to physically go to the range and, and go shoot, but... You know, barring that, there's still many, many ways, right, to, to train and, and learn at home, even if you don't have an opportunity to live fight, you know, shoot live rounds at home. And so, you know, shoot to win. Um, in my book, there's a, there's, there's a section on sort of the, the mental headspace, right, that, that, that you have to have, whether you're competing or whether you're in a self-defense uh, you know, scenario or self-defensive training. And a lot of that, right, you, you can do that at home. Um, but I guess taking a big step back, uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the training fundamentals, the safety fundamentals, um, you know, don't, you know, don't point a gun in a, you know, you know, towards something that you're not willing to destroy, you know, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. You know, a lot of those, uh, you can, you can learn, at home. Um, but the most important tip, I think, about training at home, especially for the new shooter who may think, oh, the only way I can tr really effectively train is by shooting live rounds, that's actually not true. There's a concept that called dry firing, uh, which Lucas, I know you, you, you obviously know what that is, but for any you know, new listeners, right, dry firing um, right, is, is you're using snap caps which are just, you know, dummy, either plastic or, or inert metal rounds, or you can honestly use a totally empty gun. Um, so, you know, I'm, I will take my Glock 34 and, you know, make sure it's fully unloaded, you know, no round in the chamber, no magazine in the gun, and, you know, obviously ammunition just out of the room. And I'll practice my trigger squeeze hundreds of times over the course of watching a TV show. Right? So I'll just rack the slide and then slowly... You know, pull the trigger until it breaks, you know, rack it and just go through those motions over and over and over again. And you can practice your sight picture and sight alignment, you know, right on the couch or right in your home with no ammunition. And so much of of the the, the fundamentals of marksmanship, like any sport or activity, it's just about repetition and building that muscle memory. So yeah, for any new shooters, you know, new gun owners out there, uh, dry firing is you know, highly recommended. And um, yeah, in my book, Shoot to Win, and also the uh, the free training videos uh, on the NSSF's YouTube site. If you just Google my name and you know Chris Chang you know, shooting videos, you, you'll run into the um, to the NSSF YouTube page. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's just a tremendous uh, resource that's free for anybody that's interested. 
Yeah, that's such a, a great concept. And, and you're right. I mean, dry firing, the, the practice of that, whether it's a handgun, you know, I think about long range shooting with rifles, you know, a lot of times, which you'll see a lot of the competition shooters, um, you know, they're sitting there doing dry fires, you know, before they do any live shooting. And a lot of that is just to anticipate, you know, your body, it's kind of that target panic, your body knows that there's going to be an impact. So, you know, to the extent that you can, uh, you know, get your body prepared for that, understand the trigger pull, right? Understand all those different dynamics are so important, uh, along with, um, you know, the time when, like you said, when you have to maybe, you know, have a magazine loaded in there and, and you're ready to go, that muscle memory is, is there to fire. So I think, yeah, I think dry firing is a, is a great uh, option for, for, you know, first time shooters and something you can do in your house, uh, again, done safely. And, and uh, thinking about, I guess, safety in, in addition to some of that, you know, um, you know, storing your firearm, that there's processes around that, cleaning and maintaining your guns. Do, does your book address some of that as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, about, you know, in addition to, you know, cleaning, it's, uh, you know, how to safely store, you know, maintain your firearm as well. So it's, it's, it is um, an all-encompassing primer for both the new shooter, but then also, you know, for, for folks who want to take a, a, a different look at how to piece all of the fundamentals of marksmanship together. Because I think you know, if you start if you start dissecting certain fundamentals like sight picture, sight alignment, trigger control, and breathing control, it's one thing if you are refining your skill set uh, in in any one of those areas. But then at the end of the day, we all know you've got to pull it all together, right? You've got to pull all the fundamentals together so that your shot will hit whatever you're aiming at. And for many of us, right, it's not just one shot, it's multiple shots, maybe multiple targets in a shorter period of time. So, right, how do you rinse and repeat, right, that whole process of, of, uh, of, of shooting around over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Shoot to Win um, goes through how um, I approach training and how I connect all these dots and, you know, make sure that, uh, it's a repeatable process that ideally, right. Consistently uh, produces the results that you're looking for, which is your shots are on target. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I, I think it's kind of, if you've got an all encompassing A to Z resource like that, I mean, that, that's a, it's a, it's a, again, right now, timing couldn't be any better for, for someone who is a first-time gun owner or maybe someone who's a long-time gun owner, right? And, and, and sometimes there's some things that you learn, and we all learn every day, and I think that's the beauty of, of, of kind of the world that we live in is that I think if, you, if you're better today than you were yesterday, you're making improvement. And uh, always learning and, and always you know, seeking out different things is, is so important. And, and as much as we shoot or as much as we, you know, whether it's fish or a lot of things that, that people like to do, there's always, there's always something I think we can learn. And so I think, it's, I think it'd be great to, to you, know, um, you know, kind of dive into that a little more and just you know, understand maybe um, you know, as, as folks maybe get their hands on your book and can maybe learn a few things and then, then folks out there maybe that uh, have never even owned a gun before, it'd be a great tutorial for them uh, as they as they move on. So that's cool. Uh, th- you know, really neat. Yeah, uh, 
Go ahead. I'm so supportive of being a lifelong student. And I think one, one quick thing I'd, I'd love to share with your listeners is, you know, on the pro shooting circuit, even, even the, the shooters at the best at the top of their game, they're always trying to learn more from their peers. Um, in particular, you know, Jerry Michalik, and Robert Vogel, who um, I, I've shot with, uh, you know, plenty. You know, they, these are some of the arguably the you know, best best shooters in the world, and they are constantly looking at their peers and asking them, "Hey, you know, why do you grip? You know, why do you grip your gun in this way? Or you know, have you tried you know this this type of approach to to shooting?" and um, you know, for all of us, uh, you know, on the pro circuit, yeah, we're, we're always learning from anywhere, um, you know, that, that, that we can. And um, sometimes, right, it takes that different perspective, right, hearing uh, a new idea or uh, an interesting or novel way of thinking about a problem that can help you break through, um, you know, any kind of um, standstills that you may have in your training and the, the the last thing to mention on this point is you know a lot of um a lot of pro shooters you know when we have challenges with our marksmanship we often almost always fall back on the fundamentals right it, it, it usually comes back to trigger control or some kind of trigger discipline issue or maybe it's you know breathing control or or sight picture problem um, so, you know, the, the fundamentals are not just for beginners. They are the fundamentals for professional shooters as well. And again, we, when we're having shooting, you know, accuracy issues, professionals, we fall back on the fundamentals and, and diag- start there with the diagnosis and then, and then you'll see where that takes us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And kind of talking a little bit about you know, your shooting competitions, you know, obviously a lot of stuff is, has been put on hold with what's going on, but as things start to, I guess, open up again, and, and uh, I guess our economy and the world starts to open up to, you know, different phases of allowing, you know, folks to get back together and shooting ranges opening up, I guess, what does kind of the, the future look like for you? Are you still shooting uh, on tours and in competitions or kind of what do you have kind of down the pipeline uh, coming up? Yeah, uh, so my, my my shooting competition uh, work is uh, it's a very small part of uh, what I do these days, and um, the, the main part is advocacy and uh, you know safety training um, with with uh, mostly with the NSSF in the form of uh, you know safety videos and outreach programs. Um, so later, yeah, later this year, I'm hoping, like I mentioned earlier, hoping to you know film another set of, uh, of videos for um, you know for Shoot to Win and with the NSSF, and you know so much of um, of uh, the, the work that I do that I'm excited about is is again this is the outreach and uh, diversity advocacy and, and really um, you know getting getting new people involved. Um, and additionally, um, you know, I've been helping shine the spotlight on a, uh, a recent new partnership between the NSSF and an organization called the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. 
Okay. And you know, suicide prevention is it's been a, a fairly taboo topic for, for, for many years within the firearms community. And it's it, it's one where over the past five some years, uh, we made tr- you know, tremendous strides in working with gun shops, gun owners, uh, the Veterans Affairs, um, and, and a number of mental health practitioners in, in helping bridge these knowledge gaps between suicide prevention practitioners and gun owners, right? We're, we're each specialists, right, in particular fields, but but there just hasn't been uh, as much cross-pollination of, of, of concepts and ideas and trust. And, you know, to, to take a step back, you know, when, when I won Top Shot in 2012, I, I mean, when I was trying to figure out, okay, you know, what am I, what am I, what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to work on, um, you know, in the industry? And when all of these mass shootings really started up, I mean, I, for, for me, Sandy Hook in, in 2012 was a really clear demarcation point where, you know, it just wasn't going to be business as usual anymore. And, mm-hmm. When I was looking at statistics, you know, the the mass media really highlights um, mass shootings and school shootings and a lot of uh, gang violence. And you think, oh, okay, right, like this is, you know, your average person thinks, oh my gosh, right, this is this is the biggest. These are the biggest problems that we need to tackle. But if you look at the numbers, two thirds of deaths in the U.S. Um, firearms deaths in the U.S. are actually suicides. And I remember looking at the industry, looking at our community, and, and I remember saying to myself, like, we're not talking about this. You know, why, why aren't, well, why aren't we going beyond talking about two-thirds of U.S. firearms deaths or suicides? And, you know, why, why, why aren't we doing more? How are we planning to reduce that number and um, the, the past five years has, has been uh, the beginnings of something really, really great between the AFSP and the NSSF. And um, if uh, so, so a number of gun ranges are volunteering, um, you know, their staff for training sessions, which means, you know, gun shop owners and uh, range range operators you know, there you see all sorts of stuff, right, happening um, all day long, um, and, and just like there are signs for straw purchasers and, and other nefarious folks, uh, there are indicators for for individuals who might be suicidal as well, right? Someone who's come into your gun shop and is looking to buy a gun to unfortunately use on themselves, mm-hmm. and so if you're a gun shop owner and you see this happening. You know, before it'd be like, well, gosh, like, what do you do uh, other than maybe deny the sale? Um, but with these uh, resources and trainings, right, that are um, that, that are that are starting up across the country, uh, we're equipping range owners and, and, and operators and, and just your everyday gun owner too, with with knowledge around, you know, right, Lucas, if if you or I see a, a fellow gun owner who's a good friend or a family member that is you know, having suicidal thoughts, you know, there, there's a number of things that we as individuals can do to, to help reduce uh, the risk and to, to help 
those with uh, with mental health issues get through times of crisis and not put their Second Amendment rights at risk. Hmm. And I think that's that's often a big barrier for uh, gun owners to go seek mental health is because you think, oh my gosh, like I might I might um, right have to give up my Second Amendment rights because uh, if the court thinks I'm crazy or something because I'm depressed, oh, you know, I, I, I just will take the risk and, and not go in to, to get treated when that, that there are, there are avenues, right, to, again, preserve your Second Amendment right to, to own your, you know, maintain your, your guns, um, but also, right, be, be treated for any, uh, uh, you know, suicidal uh, inclinations or tendencies that you might have. And so, you know, really making, uh, normalizing this topic, right, of, of uh, suicide is, is, is just the, the, the tip of, of the spear. It's, it's, for me, it all falls into the same ideal of, of freedom with respect to helping everybody feel comfortable talking about being a gun owner being an Asian American in this country, being part of the LGBT community in this country, or if you are having mental health problems, that you should feel free to speak out about it and go seek the help that you need and not not think that you're going to face, I don't know, some kind of shaming or retribution from your, your friends, family, or, you know, place of um, you know, employment. So, you know, we are at the, um, again, at the very kind of front end of, of this uh Suicide Prevention Initiative, and um, and I'm excited to see where it takes us. It's, it's just going to be it's just it's groundbreaking, and I'm, I'm just really really uh, excited and proud to to help promote what the good things that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. And and you think about that just to to build on that topic. I mean, a very powerful subject, right? When you when you look at you know what's magnified now, really in the media and the news, I. I don't think a lot of this stuff never didn't happen years ago. I just think it, it, a lot of it, you know, the media has kind of taken and, and made whatever story they want to make out of it. But the reality is, I mean, shootings are happening every day, right? And and uh, think about it, being a, a gun owner or being a gun shop, when you have someone come in who maybe you think is unstable, you know, what is your inclination? Is it, well, I could, you know, make a thousand dollar deal today or no, I'm going to, you know, potentially not sell. Generally, you know, 10 times out of 10, the gun shop's going to sell the firearm to that individual if, if they're legal to do it. And and the thing what happens is, is, you know, a lot of times our Second Amendment, you know, gets stomped in the ground over this when we really are kind of hiding, you know, a whole mental health issue behind all of it. And, uh, you know, I think the, the work that you guys, um, look, sounds like you're doing, and I, and I think the key word in all of it that you said is prevention. I think, you know, if you get on the front end of this, um, man, that, that, that could be a watershed moment uh, in society if, if we were to have an avenue for people that, um, you know, do have mental health issues that maybe are gun owners. Uh, and you're exactly right. If we knew a family member was unstable, the first thing we would do is probably go there and understand, do they have any firearms? Do they have anything where they could be a threat to themselves? And, and, uh, just getting on the front end prevention side of that is, is so key. And, uh, man, just an interesting topic. And, and to your point, tip of the kind of the tip of the spear, that's a, um, that could go a lot of different ways, but could add a ton of value uh, down the road if something like that was to really take off uh, and that initiative be landed. So good on you guys for taking that on. And that sounds really exciting, Chris. 
Thanks. And, uh, you know, back back to all roads lead to pandemic. Um, sort of the other side of uh, kind of things is, um, you know, we, we obviously already talked about all the new gun owners that are, you know, coming into the fold. But um, the, the other challenge with, with the pandemic is it's cutting off traditional support networks that, that we all have, right, between our friends, family, and, and, and coworkers, and uh, a lot of those support groups and networks that, that we, we would traditionally rely on are, are not um, as available or readily available as they are in the past. And so a lot of mental health practitioners are concerned that suicide rates are, are going to go up, right, if, if we, you know, continue to... Uh, you know, be in this aggressive shelter-in-place posture for, for, for much longer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're seeing this you know, gradual loosening of, uh, of, of the restrictions, which, which, which is good. I mean, at some point, we, we've, we've got to um, you know, force our way back into you know, normal life and trying to do so as safely and, and responsibly um, and mitigate as much risk as we can. But right, we, we um, don't want to put those with mental health issues, um, you know, at greater risk. Um, and so, um, this is something, right. we we've all got to keep the, you know, keep our eyes out for, uh, for, for each other during, during these trying times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to your point back, you know, everything loops back to the pandemic. I mean, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, you're, your own brother's best keeper, you know, and, and, uh, to your point, I mean, whether it's family, whether it's friends, um, whether it's maybe someone, you, you know, that you don't know, but someone that you can help. I think you never know sometimes the life you save if you don't intervene and, and, and try to help. So I, again, applaud you for, for kind of working in this partnership, taking on, um, you know, that's a, that's a lofty subject and a, and a, and a lofty initiative. But uh, I think there's a lot of effort and, and opportunity there. And, and uh, again, just excited to, to see how that works and, and that goes for you. So really neat. Um, Chris, you know, it's it's been absolutely great um, getting to talk to you and, and uh, just get to know more about you. And, and again, I've, I've, I've seen, uh, I've watched the show and, and uh, you know, I've obviously uh, I've heard a lot about you and, and just super neat to um, just kind of hear, you know, through through your voice, uh, some of the things that you're doing and kind of your history and, and where you've come. But I, I do want to loop back just real quick back to your book again. And, uh, you know, one of the things you talked about is, is maybe for some of the podcast listeners, maybe um, we could do some type of giveaway um, of your book, Shoot to Win. And uh, maybe you could just talk a little bit about what you're thinking there. Yeah, so uh, I'm all about giving back to to the community that that you know helped me win top shot and so much of my training came from blog posts and other people's youtube videos you know content that i was you know reading uh, and and trying to uh, you know maximize my training and so as a way of giving back uh, i'd love to, to sponsor a giveaway of uh, my book shoot to win and uh, kind of a competition that i'd like to think of as a win one give one so, um, yeah, Lucas and I will, will, will figure out a way to uh, select um, you know, three winners, and each winner will uh, you know, not only get a signed copy for themselves, but uh, they'll get a second book that uh, you know, I would love uh, for that second book to go to a new shooter, you know, someone that, the, you know, that, that you think, oh, wow, you know, if, if, if I could get my buddy or a family member you know, into shooting, like it'd be great. And, and so I'd love to, uh, you know, get 
a copy of Shoot to Win into uh, a second person's hand, you know, for for the winner uh, to choose. So yeah, that's uh, sort of the uh, the. Uh, the giveaway that would be awesome and yeah we'll we'll work the details uh, maybe we'll do a tag a friend and and follow you on on one of the social media fees but we'll uh, we'll definitely put that together and then for those that <clears throat> would be interested in the book just beyond let's say they you know they don't get a book in the giveaway how could someone find your book or where would they be able to uh, purchase your book yeah so a uh, book's available on amazon or if you've got a kindle uh, you know or really anywhere books are sold and um, yeah, the uh, Shoot to Win, it's been selling so well. Uh, this uh, It's in its second edition, and uh, the foreword was written by Katie Pavlich, who's uh, editor of Town Hall and a Fox News uh, contributor, and she and I are, are friends, and uh, she wrote a, an amazing foreword. It's just so refreshing to, to hear her perspective of, of being a, a proud gun owner and supporting our our rights and obviously supporting uh, everyone who wants to learn how to shoot a gun or be uh, a better, more accurate shooter as well. Yeah, awesome. That's cool. Well, good. Um, again, it was it was great having you on uh, today, Chris. And again, just getting your perspective and, and the outreach there uh, is, is so important, and especially in the world that we live in. And you talked about the stereotypes is breaking down those walls and, and allowing folks to, to have a voice and, and to have a say. So again, really uh, appreciate that. And then just from a, um, kind of a general, I think you have a website and then you, you also have some social media if someone was to want to get a hold of you. Yep. So my website is topshotchris.com. And uh, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter all at Top Shot Chris is my handle on all those platforms. Awesome. Well, that sure sure makes it easy. And uh, I'll make sure to uh, post that information, uh, your website, uh, maybe a link to your book, uh, and also uh, your social feeds uh, when we uh, put the podcast out. So wonderful. Chris, thanks again. Uh, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing how things go for you. And uh, again, really anxious to see kind of how some of this initiative you're working on and obviously kind of where things take us. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we can start getting out into the world and going to gun ranges and, and shooting again and, and really enjoying, I would say, freedoms that we had just months ago, but really freedoms that we've had for majority of our lives and, and our fathers and our grandfathers before us. So anyway, thank Thanks again. Uh, appreciate having you on. Uh, and uh, again, just look forward to uh, maybe touching base with you again at some point in the future. Great. Yeah. And thanks again for having me on the show. I had a fantastic time and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, staying in touch. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw host of the RNA Outdoors podcast, please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us 
on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.